0: Last month's inflation report showed the steepest rise in prices in the last 30 years, setting off alarm bells and handing politicians like Joe Manchin a convenient excuse to deepen their opposition to pro-worker social programs. We need a new system. We need a new society. We need to demand that which may have sounded impossible even a few weeks ago, but it's not only realizable but an imperative necessity. Deepening unemployment, a looming wave of evictions, massive and widening inequality, there's no denying it. Capitalism is in crisis and capitalism is the crisis. We are excited to have Professor Richard Wolf join us again for our regular weekly segment where we talk about the biggest stories related to the economy, the state of the working class, and the crimes of big business. I'm your host, Brian Becker. The Socialist Program brings you content three days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com forward slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to this show. Richard Wolf is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work. He's the author of many books, the latest being The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. And there is a new hard copy edition of Professor Wolf's book, Understanding Marxism, which has just been released, which features a new lengthy introduction, which strengthens the case for why Marxism is worth understanding. You can check out all of his work at rdwolf.com that's r d w o l f f
1: Professor Wolf, welcome back. Thank you, Brian. Glad to be here. Thank you
0: for joining. Inflation is the dominant news. It's been the dominant news for the last few days. As I mentioned in the introduction, Joe Manchin is using it as a new excuse to not do anything for, you know, workers, working class people, poor people, women, people who actually would benefit greatly from some of the provisions in the Build Back Better plan that Biden offered earlier this year. There was an op-ed in the Washington Post by economist and former Treasury Secretary Lawrence Summers, who talks about inflation is obviously now not transitory. He feels this is a vindication of his argument that he's been making for the last year. There's lots of reasons why, and we've talked about this with you, about why inflation might be happening, whether it will continue to deepen. One thing that I thought was interesting about Summers' piece is that unlike Manchin, who is using, in a demagogic way, the inflationary pressures to say no to any social spending programs that would help working class and low-income people, Summers wrote these words in his editorial, in his op-ed. He said, quote, first, let's not compound errors that have already been made with far too much fiscal stimulus and overly easy monetary policy by rejecting Build Back Better. The legislation would spend less over 10 years than was spent on stimulus in 2021. Most of that, of course, going to the biggest banks and corporation. Then he goes on, because that spending is offset by revenue increases and because it includes measures such as childcare that will increase the economy's capacity, build back better will have only a negligible impact on inflation. Now, that's something Richard you would never gather from the recent headlines. Then he goes on and I'll read this last sentence. It will, of course, be imperative to ensure that various temporary measures such as the child tax credit will not be extended without new revenues to pay for them. Anyway, let's try to understand what's going on. We've been talking for the last eight months with you about whether inflation will grow, whether it will stay put. You made the point that all of those who were saying anything about inflation, whether it was coming or not coming, were actually just, in a way, talking through their hat because nobody actually could possibly know. Anyway, let's get started.
1: Okay, the first problem to keep in mind as we go through this is to think about inflation in a way that is different from the way that Joe Manchin or any of the people you've been quoting and talking about talk about They talk about it as though it were some thing, some process, almost a kind of mysterious, awful that settled in on us and that now we have to cope with, as if it were imposed on us, as if there were nothing we could do but hunker down and, and pull back from what we might have otherwise done. This is nonsense. There's a need to understand at the basics, what an inflation is, because then you won't get trapped uh, by the, the language in which these folks talk. So let's begin. Who sets prices? That we have to answer that question. If we want to know why prices are being raised, we should know who's doing that, and we can ask the question, why are they doing that? There's no mystery here. The capitalist economy is divided into two fundamental groups. On the one hand, a small minority that are employers, bosses, capitalists, CEOs, whatever phrase, you know, lifts your boat, use that one. And then on the other side, there are the vast majority of us who are employees or workers or proletarians or whatever you want to call us. One of us sets prices of goods and services, and one of us doesn't, and you all know the answer. Employers have the function, have the right, have the privilege, and have the very exclusive role of setting prices. The companies, the corporations, the businesses, they do that. The employees don't do that. The employees are price takers, and the employers are price makers. They are the ones who set them. Okay, once you have that clear, let's ask the follow-up question. Why would employers be raising prices these days? As they have over the last year. And as you correctly pointed out, the latest number indicates they're raising them at a rate in excess of 6% per year, looking at the latest month of October as our latest measuring point. Well, there's a simple answer that all economics teaches employers are there to maximize profits. That's what they learn in business school. That's what they tell everybody. That's what I was taught as a student of economics, and that was what I was instructed to teach my students when I became a professor of economics. Profit is the bottom line. Profit is the goal. Profit is what you get rewarded if you make it higher, and you get punished if you don't. So the simple, obvious answer as to why businesses are raising prices is because that's the profitable thing to do. They think they can get away with it. In other words, they think that if they raise the prices, you and I will continue to buy whatever it is they sell, for whatever reasons drove us to be interested in it in the first place. Now we have to pay more or do without. And their gamble, and that's what it is, a gamble, is that they can raise the prices and that we will have little or no incentive or option to do other than pay the extra price the higher price, and that's profitable for them. So let's not be all aflutter with notions of what the inflation is as if it were some magical process that descends on us, you know, like bad weather that we can't do much about. We can. How would we stop an inflation? That's the easiest question in economics to answer and I'm not going to give you my own answer. I'm going to give you the answer of a Republican president of the United States, Richard M. Nixon, who in 1971, faced with an inflation a bit higher than what we have now, decided, okay, it has to stop. And then he did what, by the way, leaders have done in many countries, nothing unusual, nothing weird, nothing exceptional, about it. He declared a wage price freeze. On August 15, 1971, President of the United States Richard Nixon announced to the American people that as of the following morning, any business that raised the price would be in violation of the law and the leader of any such business would be arrested for violating the law. Guess what? The inflation stopped on a dime. No problem, no issue. There we have it. And that's what would be honestly spoken about if we weren't in the business of pretending that an inflation is some sort of a mystical thing that descends on us and we kind of have to figure out how to lessen it. This is really important. Let me go to two other aspects of this and then I'll stop talking. I don't want to hog uh, all the time that we have. The first is another crazy notion, which is that the government printing money produces an inflation. That's wrong. I mean, that's not a question of perspective. That's just Wrong, 100% wrong. And it's obvious from recent history that that would be the case. The government of the United States has been printing money, adding money to the stock of money in our economy for many, many years now, during which time we didn't have an inflation. Part of the reason it's getting all the attention now is that we've had a long period with little or no inflation prices rising half of a percent, one percent, one and a half percent. And given the problems of measurement, that's effectively no price increase at all. So the idea that if the government prints money, we have inflation is simply contradicted by the last 10 or 20 years in this country. So nobody should take that seriously. And again, the explanation is easy. When the government adds money into the economy, whether it gives that extra money into the hands of big business and banks, which is the usual procedure, or if it gives the money to the mass of people, which could be done. They don't do it often for obvious reasons, but it could be done, and it's sometimes done. But whoever gets the money in the hand, the businesses of America now know that there's more money in the economy. This is good news for them. And they now have to make a decision. And this is important for everyone to understand. If you're in the business of doing anything, selling, imagine yourself to be a storekeeper in a supermarket or a department store or any other kind. If you know that the public has more money in its hands, you know you now have a choice to make. Choice number one, you can raise the prices of everything you have to sell because you know that there's money out there and you're hoping it'll come your way to pay those higher prices. But you have a second choice. The second choice is not to raise your prices, but instead to order more stuff to sell at the same price, because you know that people having more money in their hands may now buy more things than they did before because they have that extra money. So the businesses of America, the corporations, the owners and operators of our businesses, make a decision either to raise their prices when the money is increasing in the circulation or to order more goods. Now I can tell you the entire establishment of the government at least publicly, says it wants businesses to choose number two. In other words, to respond to the extra money in circulation by producing more goods, by selling more goods, not by raising their prices. Why? Because if you sell more goods and you produce more goods, here we go, you're creating jobs. So the hope of the government is that the extra money they pump in will lead businesses to order and sell more goods, and that in turn will give more people jobs producing those goods. That's the hope. But in a free enterprise capitalist system, which is what we've got, businesses have a freedom to do something which may be very good for them, but it awful for the society as a whole. They may say, I don't want to order more goods. I don't want to take the risk of stocking up. I don't want to take that risk. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make my profit in a quick and easy way. I'm just going to jack up my prices. And that way I'll make more money. I'll have the same stuff. And I won't be ordering more because I won't be able to sell more since I'm raising the price. And so we won't be generating jobs but that's not my problem. I'm just a capitalist here to make the most profit I can. So they raise the prices, and here's what we get. A government printing money hoping to create jobs fails to do that, instead enables an inflation. But don't ever forget that the government is just the enabler. The actual raising of the price is the responsibility of that small minority of the American people we call employers. They're the ones who do it. Their decisions frustrate the government's policy by generating inflation and not producing jobs. If you want to blame someone for an inflation, be my guest. But the only place your finger of blame can point is to the employer class who are in the position to do this to the rest of us in order to enhance, in their view, their own profit. Last point for this, blaming Biden. Well, in all economics, I mean all of it, there is something called lags, L-A-G-S, all economic policy has a lag. There's a vast literature in economics called the economics of the lag, in which professors and researchers have studied the amount of time it takes for any particular governmental policy to work its way through our complicated economy. And guess what? It takes at least six to nine months, for anything, pretty much, that the government does, except for a few urgent, immediate declarations, like what President Nixon did back in 71, but those are unusual. Most policies, like the Federal Reserve creating money over the last 20 years, take six to nine months before they begin to kick in, and they work their effects over several years. Therefore, the inflation we have experienced over the last year, being the first year of Mr. Biden's presidency, the responsibility, if you want to look at it that way, if you want to blame the government, falls on Mr. Trump and the Republicans, not on Mr. Biden. And by the way, I don't think it's Mr. Trump's fault either, because as I've just pointed out, The place to look for who and why prices are raised are employers and their profit objectives because that's how our system works.
0: Richard, a couple questions. Of course, during the Trump era, the Trump administration imposed very significant tariffs, not just on China, but of course, starting with China, but also on other countries' products. And the tariff is ultimately a tax on imported products such that the American consumer actually will have to pay more for the product and the difference is kept by the US government. So it would seem like that that would be something that would have an inflationary impact in terms of what people's purchasing power is. It takes more money to buy the same product because there's a tariff, a government imposed tariff on it. That's one question. The second one is I do want to go back to the 1970s a little bit, because I think this is a complicated topic. And, you know, Nixon imposed the wage price freeze in August 15th, 1970, removed the U.S. dollar from the gold standard. And it did have the impact of slowing inflation. But as I remember it, the inflation then came back. And perhaps the wage price freeze was lifted at a certain point. I'm not remembering the details. I'm sure you will. But inflation had hit a 6% level in 1970. In 1974, Nixon had either left or was about to leave rather than be impeached from the White House. Inflation did come back and it was about 12%. And then by the end of the 1970s, it had hit 15%. So it appeared not to be And this is the question that I have for you. Yes, the employers are the ones who raise the prices, but the price that any employer or any business associates with their product can't be entirely arbitrary. It has to be within a certain range. Otherwise, if they raise prices and others don't raise prices, they'll lose market share. But then, and this is my concluding point and my conclusion to the question I want to ask you, at a certain point it appeared that this gathering inflation in the late 1970s was undermining and destabilizing US capitalism and Paul Volcker came in and Paul Volcker was named as the chairperson of the Federal Reserve by President Jimmy Carter and he sort of took the reins and by jacking up interest rates to a super high level i mean unbelievably high level basically tank the economy, led to a decrease in demand for products because people didn't have any money. And as they lost their jobs, they additionally didn't have any money. And so, in other words, a manufactured recession designed to curb inflation, at least that's how I had understood it at the time. Anyway, can you help us
1: a little bit with some of that history? Sure. The wage price freeze worked very, very well. It worked in fact so well that every business in the United States began to scream bloody murder that they weren't able to escape it because it was working well and because you had this peculiar anomaly. It wasn't just a price freeze, it was a wage freeze. That was a gift to the employer because the government was saying, not only will we not let you raise the prices on what you sell, but we're going to stop every trade union in its tracks because you can't now go on strike or do anything else to raise your wages because that'll put you in violation of the wage freeze. So what began to happen literally from the time that Mr. Nixon spoke was that the business community began to mobilize to undo what he had just done. It didn't take him long about eight or nine months, and the wage price freeze was undone. It had actually begun to be undone even earlier because there were exceptions. There was a special court set up where companies could appeal that they were in some special circumstance that should allow them to be exempted, and many did get that kind of exemption. So we'll never know at this point What might have happened, because the wage price freeze, which brought that inflation right down to next to nothing overnight, was not allowed to continue as policy, because the people who run this country, and who certainly run our economy, mobilized to get it undone. And once they did that, then the inflation resumed, pretty much as you told the story until it had to be brought to a crashing end, by literally crashing the economy, which Mr. Volcker did. But that was a different time. The United States was the dominant country in the world without a competitor. We now have a competitor, the People's Republic of China. We have a very angry labor force that is not going to allow a crash to happen. Look at the level of anger of people who've been losing their real wages over the last 30 years, who find themselves in an ever more unequal, precarious situation. Our politics is the politics of a system falling apart. It would be extremely dangerous to allow this inflation to continue and to call upon a Volcker-type character to come in and squash it because you have a very different country, and that kind of policy isn't going to work today the way it did back then. And finally, on this point, it's important to understand that the the prices in this country are rising faster than wages. And what that means is that the working class is falling further behind. Its wage increases are not keeping up with the prices they have to pay for everything they use their wages for, which means out of the total output of goods and services, what the working class can get, in the way of real goods and services is shrinking because the prices of those things are going up faster than their wages. That's very bad news for the American working class, which hardly needs it after a crash in 2020 and the pandemic and all the suffering that it has imposed on us. It makes an already stressed society even more volatile. So, you have to factor that all in, but it is good news for the corporations, because by raising prices faster than wages, they are gathering even more wealth into their hands. Which takes me back to my first point, the purpose of the inflation is to enhance profitability. Once you have the inflation, because employers have seen fit to raise prices, well, then the inflation plays itself out. And what that means is everybody who owes money is in a somewhat better position. Because even if your wages are only going up a little, it means you have more money, whereas your debts are fixed in dollar amounts. You owe X dollars on your car or X dollars on on your home or your college loan. So if all prices, including your wages, go up, the burden of your debts shrinks, and so that's a secondary effect. But then there's more effects, because if Americans could not afford the standard of living they wanted before, if prices are going up higher than wages, it's even more out of reach, the so-called American dream. And we know what Americans do when that dream is, seems out of reach and their wages won't get them back into play. To get that dream is we know what they do, they borrow more money. So even though the burden of past debts may be reduced, you're adding new debts to the working class, which negates that first effect. It is a very, very bad thing socially to follow a pandemic happening at the same time as an economic crash whose severity is second only to that of the 1930s. A terrible economic crash happening together with a terrible public health disaster, and now the so-called recovery confronts workers with prices riding faster than wages. No wonder Americans are quitting their jobs in anger and disgust. No wonder we're having a strike wave that we haven't seen the likes of for decades. No wonder there's a renewal of the labor movement. It is overdue. It is late in the game. But you can understand that an economic system that tilts so continuously against the majority of the people is going to provoke very very tumultuous times in our politics.
0: Richard Wolff is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work. He's the author of many books, the latest being The Sickness is the System When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. He has a new hard copy edition of his book Understanding Marxism which has just been released and which features a new lengthy introduction which strengthens the case on why Marxism is worth understanding. You can check out all of his work at rdwolf.com. That's rdwolf You're listening to The Socialist Program. We'll be back tomorrow. You've been listening to The Socialist Program with Brian Becker, where we bring you news and views about the world for those who want to change it. Here